0: It's Wednesday, and it's golf today. Damon Hack alongside Eamon Lynch Golf Week magazine. about great players in the desert. You know, choose your desert. Dubai, California, a lot of great golf this week.
1: Yeah, a lot of kind of a new year, a lot of new ambitions for these guys. Still the same old issues to kick around that we had last year, Damon, though. Those mm. start, seem to be heating up again.
0: No doubt, a lot of news inside the ropes and outside. The ropes. Let's focus on inside the ropes for a moment. Take a look at what's happening this week. The first Rolex series event of the year gets underway with the hero, dubai desert classic you may recall last year rory making that clutch birdie on the 72nd hole to win his third dubai desert classic final round 68 that was good enough to beat patrick reed by one shot and a little bit of
1: a controversy earlier that week you might recall yeah, and he's got a pretty good record out in Dubai. It's his 14th appearance in the event. The first one came when he was just 16 years old when he missed the cut by a stroke. And that was his third victory last year. And earlier today, Rory McEnroy met with the media to talk about the broader state of the golf game.
2: There's a lot of different interests in the game, and, and that's the, I think that's the. I think what we need to do first is align interests, align interests of the players and the business and the fans and the media and try to get everyone's interests aligned. And then once you do that, then, then you can move forward. So it's, a, it's the aligning of interests, which is the, which is the big key to, to trying to get to that dream scenario.
3: Do you do any campaigning on that front with your fellow tour pro and definitely fellow elite tour pros trying to align interests?
4: I'm, I'm done with that. Rory, I noticed that Sergio, in response to you talking about an IPL and cricket competition probably being a good thing, it said they deserve to be more important than a month. Is it going to be difficult to get a scenario where everyone's going to be happy?
2: Yeah, Sergio feels he deserves a lot of things. Um, I, Again, it's it's trying to align interests, as I said to Sean, and... and I think right now it's just very, very hard to align everyone's interests in the game.
1: Well, what Rory's right about here, Damon, is that it is hard to align the interests because there are so many of them and so many that are competing. When you think about it, there are the elite players who want the tour to be structured around them with money. There are the rank and file who want to keep jobs. There are the live players who want to be told that they are more than just stooges for autocratic sports washers. There are tours around the world that want to remain relevant. There are tournaments that want to remain relevant. There are sponsors who want value for money. There are fans who want just simply a good product. There's a PGA tour that wants to protect its commercial interests. And there are the Saudis who want to essentially detract from their abuses. And there are going to be losers in there somewhere. There are simply too many interests that could potentially be wholly aligned towards one positive outcome here because. To my mind, the Saudis represent the toxic aspect of it. and But there are simply, even if you leave the Saudis out of it, there are so many interests that are simply not aligned in the correct direction. There are going to be losers in this scenario. Mm.
0: Yeah, there always are and always have been. I, I think you can go back to the 40s and 50s, you know, when you had the, the best players in the world, then, you know, Ben Hogan, you know, and, and wanting to kind of tighten up the cut and making only like the top. 20 or 30 paid and you had the, the proletariat saying hey you know what about us and I think in this era of raising purses and what was a fractious relationship between the PGA Tour and live I think the players right now have an outsized view on what their value is and coming off of Rory's Quote that we just played Thomas Bjorn know, former European Ryder Cup captain went on social media and had this to say about aligning interest and in kind of where we are in professional golf. The pyramid of golf has many layers. The pro game is the shining light at the top of the pyramid. Now I love Thomas Bjorn. love talking to him thoughtful guy. He goes on to say imagine if that was a unified global game where the best played against the best on the greatest courses in the greatest tournaments. It's really not that difficult. I disagree. I think that the the shining light at the top of the pyramid is the Joe and Jane handicap, the 20 handicapper, the 25 handicapper who watches golf today, who wants to get a badge to go to Augusta National, who wants to go to a U.S. Open. I think that is the shining light in the pyramid of golf. And I think the players in this arms race of cash are forgetting that.
1: Yeah, I think the elite players tend to have an inverted pyramid view of the game where mm. everything funnels them mm. and that's not a wrap on on Thomas it's a mindset that exists at the elite level mm. of the game and this idea of the global tour that everyone says well it's not that difficult well it is difficult and it's proven to be difficult otherwise we'd be there I mean the European tour has had a global schedule yes. the best part of the last 15 or 20 years and have struggled to find it commercially viable that the support isn't there And it's not necessarily guaranteed that simply bringing better players to far-flung corners of the world will bring that commercial support in there. The reality is that there are only two interests right now, Damon, that are being prioritised. And those are the interests of elite players and the interests of Saudi sports watching. Those are the only two that are aligned Right now, they're just asking everyone else to get on board wow. with it. And on that note, there are
0: reports that the commissioner of the PJ Tour, Jay Monaghan, is in Saudi Arabia meeting with the PIF
1: governor, Yasser Arumia? Yes, that was reported uh, by Sports Business Journal in the last couple of days. Allegedly, their first in-person meeting since June 6th when they appeared on huh? CNBC together, which shouldn't really come as a surprise because it suggests to me two things, really, that the private equity portion of this deal was important to put in place before the Saudi component of it Mm. because it does influence the shape and nature of this new company that they're setting up, what the valuation is, where the equity distribution is. It's not a surprise that that would have been prioritized in the short term and that's expected to be finished within the next couple of weeks. But it also suggests that they've kicked the can down the road a little bit on the thornier issues here. I mean, you can do a lot of stuff with the Saudis now before you really sign a contract. You can talk about the legalities and the finances and deal with essentially the paperwork and, and rudiments of the business deal without addressing the fundamental issue, which is really what they do with Live mm. and and what the ownership stake is in there right now. But the more pressing issue for the turn it was a sobering reminder yesterday when the New York Times reported that Yasser al rumiyan is being sued by the former head of Saudi intelligence for by his allegations kind of assisting in the targeting of his family including the imprisonment of his teenage children who haven't seen their family in four years and he alleges that Yasser al rumayyan took direct actions as governor of the public investment fund to facilitate that and it's just a reminder that who this game is getting in bed with yeah. that the associations and the activities of the Saudi Arabian government are now by extension a problem for the PGA Tour.
0: It was always going to be hard to separate geopolitics from this sports story, whether the PGA Tour was at loggerheads with Liv or trying to come together with a framework agreement.
1: And it's just not going to get any cleaner anytime soon, is it? Mm, No doubt. Let's take a little break from all of that. We'll head back inside the ropes. PGA Tour, returning to the continental United States, 65th edition of the American Express. The tournament is played over three courses. Coverage begins tomorrow at 4 PM Eastern time flashback to
0: 13 years ago Johnny Vegas became the first player from Venezuela to win on the PGA Tour won the American Express was the first PGA Tour rookie to win the tournament and won that playoff on the second hole over Gary Woodland Bill Haas has been part of the playoff as well and the victory came in his second start since becoming a tour member.
1: And only three people are ever credited with winning the American Express in their debut. Of course, Arnold Palmer. Well, I guess for now, Adam Long, the most recent one since. Arnold Palmer was the first one in 1960, but that was the first edition of the American Express. Charlie Hoffman in there as well. And, of course, Johnny Vegas in 2011. It's time now for Past Champions Chat. And we're pleased to welcome in johnny vegas johnny we know you we haven't seen much of you on the pga tour in quite a while we know you've had health issues you're playing now on a major medical extension give us an update on where your what the health issue was and where you are now
5: well guys one it's uh good to see you guys uh and it's great to be back uh, you know the past i don't know nine months ten months uh, have been the longest of my career dealing with um, you know elbow surgery and then shoulder surgery last year. Uh, so, obviously, very difficult times, um, but uh, thank God things are better. Things are better. I'm back to playing, you know, my game and uh, doing the things that I've always done and enjoying the game as much as I've always enjoyed it. So, uh, it's good to be back. Johnny, I'll never forget that victory in
0: 2011 out in the California desert. You said, I hope this victory changes people's minds about golf in your native Venezuela. What have you seen in the interim in the past 13 years in terms of how people view golf in Venezuela?
5: Well, I mean, it has, it has definitely changed uh, views. Uh, you know, th- I mean, this past 13 years, uh, I mean, a lot more interest, a lot more. You know, kids kind of wanting to know more about golf. Uh, obviously, Venezuela is not, you know, the ideal country right now to be uh, to be, you know, developing golf. But uh, but it's definitely moving the right direction and. Uh, and you know just just you know kids getting more involved and you know and, and getting more players out of there so uh obviously a lot to be done but uh you know we're definitely moving the right direction johnny you started to get back into
1: the game a, a few months ago you you played in some far-flung places down in australia and you had a couple of good finishes a couple of top 25 finishes in three starts where do you think your game is now as you attempt to play your first tour event since last march
5: Well I mean obviously you know the the game is there Uh, obviously as we know you know playing competitive golf is a whole different uh, animal. Um, you know, I mean, you have to trust your instincts, you have to trust your body, you have to trust your brain. Uh, and obviously that, tames, that takes time to, you know, to get back to being 100%. Uh, and obviously, as we know how competitive the Tour is now, uh, you have to be 100%. So I feel like I'm definitely closer. Obviously, I feel like it needs, you know, I'm going to need a little bit of time to, to really get back to 100% confidence and, and, and playing you know, the level that I know I can play. Uh, but it's definitely getting a lot closer. What do you remember about
0: that playoff? You had Bill Haas. You had Gary Woodland. You drove into the water on the second playoff hole. You had this nine iron, basically your third shot uh, into this par four. How did you keep your composure to, to flush that nine iron and make that par putt to win?
5: You know what? I don't know, man. I still, I still relive that like a movie. You know, like I go, I go every time I come here to Palm Springs, American Express. I, I, I relive that movie in my head every day, and it seems like it happened yesterday, right? Um, obviously, as a rookie, you don't have a lot of, you know, bad memories, and I just remember, I just remember just sticking to my plan, sticking to exactly what i what I've always done, which is kind of fight hard for every shot. Um, and I still remember hitting it in the water and not thinking anything bad. I just think that I just had to drop it, try to hit a good shot. And I was very fortunate that, um, you know, I gave myself a good opportunity and a good chance to make a putt. But like I said, it's just a movie that, uh, that you know, I mean, in my head, uh, you know, it's just the greatest movie ever, you know, ever been done. That was one of the great feel good wins
1: in 2011, Johnny. That was only the fifth tour event you'd ever played. In your career at that point did it give you a, perhaps an unrealistic expectation of how easily success can come out there when the reality turns out to be a lot different
5: yeah i know i mean obviously yeah i mean my, my start on, on the pga tour um it was i mean it was a dream one i mean i, I won here i finished third uh, the following week in in at, uh, farmers in san diego so obviously obviously there were great times uh you know uh Obviously like I said if you I mean if you do the right things if you keep your head down doing all the work uh, you know success can come but uh, it takes a lot of work and um, you know and and obviously it takes even harder work to uh, to keep that level and to keep uh, you know playing that good golf.
0: Johnny you're one of a handful of people to represent your country in the Olympics twice in golf. How much do you burn to make it a third appearance in the Olympics in France.
5: Man, that's 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 one of my goals this year. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, President's Cup this year is a big one uh, that I definitely want to be a part of it. But the Olympics is, is always there. Uh, you know, representing your country is always the greatest honor that you can have as an athlete. Um, so, I mean, I haven't had you know, like I said, more fun than, than I had in in the previous two Olympics. And obviously, being in that environment, there's nothing like it. So, I just can't wait to be back. If that's one of the goals longer term in 2024, Johnny, what, what are the
1: expectations and goals this week when you're back in a place where you have so many happy memories?
5: You know what? It's simple, man. Uh, you, you know, you want to try to go come here and, and try to win. Um, you know, obviously, like I said, haven't been playing that much golf. But like I said, every time you step around the first tee, uh, you know, the goal has to be win. Uh, and uh, like I said, I know that I've done it around here. I know what it takes to uh, to win out here. Um, And, um, you know, and the goal has to be there, the mind has to be there for for that to happen. Well, Johnny, hopefully that great movie from 13 years ago has a sequel
0: this week in the Coachella Valley. Thanks for your time. Continued good health. We'll speak to you soon.
5: Hey, thank you, guys. uh, And it's always fun catching up with you guys.
4: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters
0: Minwoo Lee and Bubby Broders join us right now from the Coachella Valley. You know, golf brings you know different people together. Minwoo, how did this friendship begin with you and, and Good Good?
6: Yeah, um, you know, actually, I knew Garrett from a long time ago. Probably like when he first started, when Good Good wasn't wasn't a thing. Yeah. So it was a while ago. Um, a and player. then you know, my manager and the founder of uh, Good Good were very good friends and. Um, We just got into contact and, uh, you know, the boys are my age and, um, you know, social media is pretty easy to get in contact with each other now. So it was, uh, it was easy. It was, um, you know, it was, it was the right time. And um, we've, we've shot a couple videos the last, last week. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited for the, for the partnership and the relationship we have.
1: Bobby, I asked Nick McAnally over at Callaway Golf what made Good Good an an interesting partnership from his standpoint. And he said it was a way to reach a younger engaged demographic that maybe legacy companies struggle with. When did you guys realize that your approach to golf could actually be a business more so than just having fun?
7: Yeah. So obviously we're blessed enough to travel all around the world and just be a group of buddies and make a uh, golf content at some of the most beautiful courses there that the world has to offer. And that's obviously kind of everyone's dream who's in golf, travel the world, play the best courses you can with your buddies and have great times and The sport makes it easy to connect to people, it's a a very transcendent sport and you know the demographic for us is obviously 18 to 34 is our normal demographic and I don't know the partnership with Callaway just hit home uh, from trick shots and everything, the content, everything's kind of going over to YouTube, a lot of people aren't watching TV as much and we were just blessed enough to hit it at the right time and our CEO Matt Kendrick who helped us start Good Good was really the one who took the content and turned it into a business and it's all just been a blessing It worked out well.
0: 18 to 34, Eamon and I, just on the other side, just outside that demographic. But I've seen some (laughs) of the videos, Bubby. I mean, you guys can absolutely move the ball. You're driving par fours and the like. But do you get nervous when you're inside the ropes with a Min Woo? Do you get nervous that you're playing with Tommy Fleetwood as Um, you have?
7: It's weird. It's like you think you would, but... I don't know, at the end of the day, no, I'm not that special, it's, it's not, all good, I mean, we're all friends. It's more so, it's exactly, it's more so you feel like you're out on the course, hanging with the homies, I mean, Minwoo and Tommy are amazing guys, they make it super easy to be around, and at the end of the day, you're just hitting a ball with a stick, I don't think too much of it, you might think a little different than me, no, I'm not I'm that good. I'm
6: playing with the good, good boys.
7: Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nonsense, nonsense.
6: Um, no, it's great, um, again, like you said, uh, we're just boys playing, playing some golf, yeah, course, which is great. Exactly. I'm on really good golf courses, so just try to make some birdies.
1: You've been making a lot of birdies and playing some golf the last couple of months. Minwoo, while most of the golf world was taking time off, you were winning in Australia, you're winning in Asia. You've got to feel pretty pumped to make a statement this year on tour.
6: Yeah, um, I'm really excited. Uh, it's my first full year out here on the PJ Tour, so um, yeah, I'm really excited to, you know, be out here more and, and live, live here in America. So uh, yeah, uh, it's always a thing that I wanted to do when I was a little kid and um, yeah, the
1: good golf is uh, hopefully still there and um, Yeah, hopefully I can make one. So, Bobby, I know you're out on the golf course at the moment. Are you still hitting that snap hook, or did Cameron McCormick fix it for you? (laughs)
7: so so I'm actually I'm caddying today the other boys are playing I'm out here caddying I caddied for seven years so it fits my uh, fits my game much better I'm better at that but yeah no Cameron McCormick got me dialed in he helped me get rid of that snap hook and aiming 40 yards right and accounting for it we are actually playing a nice butter fade now Cam's one of the best in the game and we see him every now and then down there in Dallas yeah it's it's again grateful to be able to work with a coach of that caliber
0: butter fade butter cut that's my stock shot as well I know you have your second shots to go hit Minwoo thanks for the time have a great week In the Coachella Valley, boys.
7: (laughs) Awesome. Appreciate you. Thank you.
0: How about these guys? Young, fun, you know, pushing the needle, pushing the envelope.
1: I heard the crack about my demographic. I'd like to see you (laughs) run down the faraway like those guys. I think you'd dislocate both hips. At minimum, I'd pull
0: a hamstring. I do have some good news, though. Speaking of good, good. We're partnering with the team from good good golf this year kicking it off with the good good desert open from grass clippings rolling hills out in Arizona be sure to check out the good good crew and many of their friends as they take part in a two man scramble Wednesday February the 7th live in prime time on Peacock all right folks last year at the American Express Davis Thompson gave John Rahm a run for the money in the final round but came just short of his first PGA Tour win after the break will be joined by a motivated and hungry Davis Thompson.
4: So, set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
0: Turning our focus now to the PGA Tour, which made its way from Hawaii to California for the American Express. A lot of big names in the field, including world number one Scotty Scheffler. He is with Steve Brokowski.
8: Scotty, fifth straight start here. What is it about this event that
9: attracts you to come back uh, each and every year? Yeah, fun event. The golf course is always in great shape. Um, Yeah, it's a fun tournament to play. The crowd's always really good. Uh, Weather's great. Um, It's just an easy week to come out and play in the desert and start the year and kind of get a good gauge for for where my game's at. Speaking
8: of that, what can you learn throughout the course of four days here to maybe give a sense of, of what you need to do moving forward?
9: Yeah, I think like starting the year at Capelo is always fun. It's obviously where everybody wants to start the year, but the golf course is a little bit different than what we play most of the year. Um, conditions are ever-changing and at that golf course, and so you don't really get as good of a gauge of where you're at, especially with the ball striking, and so it's nice to kind of come here to the desert and you know, not really have many conditions to play with and just kind of get out there and play and compete and kind of see where we're at as the, the year goes.
8: What have you learned being out here uh, each and every year in terms of setting schedules, goals, and fine-tuning things you want to achieve uh, when a new season's upon us.
4: Yeah,
9: I think what I learned the most is kind of my routine and how I try to get ready for tournaments. I think when I first came out, I was a bit of an over-preparer, and you know, I may have gotten a bit worn down as the the tournament week kind of went through. Um, and you know, as I've gotten further into my career, I've learned more the value of rest and you know, being prepared when I before I get to the event. So when I get there, I can just get my work in and go home and rest and get ready because um, you know, the tournament's Thursday through Sunday. It's not you know Monday through Wednesday. I think. And when I first came out, I, I took Monday through Wednesday a bit too seriously and may have worn myself out a little bit.
1: How
8: challenging was it to make that adjustment to realize you might be better served, tweaking a few things?
9: Yeah, well, you, you know, you come out here as a rookie and you're excited. The golf course is always in great shape. You know, you're hitting brand new balls in the range and everything's new and exciting. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, you just love being out the course. It's kind of like going to the Masters for the first time. You don't ever want to leave. And so you got to go home, get your rest, and, you know, be prepared to play the tournament. That's what it's about. It's about being prepared to play in the event, not, you know, Getting the best practice in at the event.
8: How do you set goals? What you want to achieve in 2024? Where do you stand on writing things down, having a mental checklist that, come the end of the season, you you can look back and see what you've done?
9: Yeah, I'm I'm all about preparation. I don't uh, I don't set long-term long-term goals for myself. Um, I've always been in the camp where. Um, You don't have kind of dreams and aspirations, I would call them, but I'm just trying to get a little bit better at a time. And when I set goals too far ahead in the future, you start looking towards those goals too much. And it's best for me to just stay in the present and just try to get a little bit better at a time.
0: 21 of the top 50 players in the official World Golf Ranking are in this field, the most at the American Express since 2005, including four of the top 10, Scheffler,
1: Shoffley, Cantlay, and Clark. Well last year in the Coachella Valley, Davis Thompson made a strong run at what would have been his first PGA Tour victory. He was locked in a battle with world number four at the time, John Ram, with three holes to play before Ram took the lead with a birdie on 16. And there on 17, Thompson chose to leave the flagstick in for a 50-foot birdie putt. The ball caught it, rolled away. Ram won when both players made par in the next hole. Thompson made five eagles through the first two rounds, which tied the PGA Tour record the most egos in a 72 hole event.
0: Let's take a look at Davis's best results on the PGA Tour. You see the runner-up last year, also a T9 at the Fortinet 2022, T12 at the Shriners in 2022, and a T15 last year at the Worldwide Technology Championship. And Davis Thompson joins us now from the American Express. I'm curious, how quickly, Davis, did this golf course fit your eye? Was it during a practice round? Was it Thursday? When did you know that this tournament would be such a good fit
10: uh, to be honest I didn't really know I just uh, I enjoyed the weather out here and just the scenery in the mountains and I just kind of felt at peace just playing these golf courses um, It was kind of hard not to and uh, you know I was able to get off to a really good start last year and just kind of rode that wave into the weekend and um, yeah just hoping to do the same same this week
1: you did come awfully close last year against one of the best players in the world Davis but the rest of the year was probably disappointing by your standards was there any particular issue that you can attribute it to
10: uh yeah i think it was just a lot of dealing with a lot of uh added pressure to myself um, and just having unrealistic expectations and uh dealt with a few things off the course as well that kind of contributed to that but um you know i gave myself a chance towards the end of the year to make the playoffs but unfortunately came up a few spots short so um really just trying to, you know, get off to a good start this year and just kind of be more consistent this year.
0: Davis, So uh, you talked about some of the things you faced off the course. What were some of the struggles, maybe the focus of your off season to make things a little better in 2024?
10: Yeah, well, the, the things that I experienced, it was a lot of uncontrollable things that I that uh, obviously I wasn't in control of. So um, I think just accepting you know I'm not in control of every situation and and, um, that relates to golf as well so just trying to find that peace on the golf course and uh, just go play freely every week.
1: How are you better prepared for year two on the PGA Tour than you were last year? What would you say was the greatest learning you took from last year that's going to put you in good stead for this year?
10: Yeah um, I think uh, at the end of last year I just kind of Took a step back and realized that I wasn't a top player in the in the mental game. So I've really just been trying to, uh, you know, take a few steps forward to try and be better mentally on the golf course. And um, you know, in my second year, I'm more familiar with uh, with where everything is and, and the travel and all of that. So it's uh, it's been more of a comfort thing for me. It, but you know, as like I said earlier, the, the mental aspect as well.
0: Davis, you're part of a strong contingent of Georgia Bulldogs out on the PGA Tour. How much have you sought the counsel of a Chris Kirk a Brendan Todd a Kevin Kisner for example.
10: Yeah uh, I mean when I was in college uh, Chris Kirk and Brendan Todd would always practice with us because they still live in Athens. So uh, it was nice to get their advice and um, you know I, I tell people all the time like I try to pick their brains and get their advice. But you know at the end of the day they're they're competing against me as well. So it's, uh, it's kind of a fine line to, to walk
1: davis one of the things that's new on tour this year is this aeon swing five where the top five finishers in regular tour events will play their way into subsequent signature events which are obviously very lucrative how much are you going to pay attention to that kind of thing as this season wears on
10: um i mean i guess in the back of my heart back of my mind it will uh it will be there but um you know i don't i don't think you can bog yourself down with thinking about it too much just try to uh try to prepare the best you can each week and you know if you if you string a few few good weeks together you can you can uh you can play those events but if not you know a guy like me with my status i'm gonna have plenty of opportunities uh, throughout the year
0: well we know you're back at one of your happy places in the game best luck as you try to go one better in 2024 we'll speak to you soon thank you
1: but we're heading over to the mpga tour next 2024 season kicks off this week. We're going to connect with the most talked-about player of 2023. Rose Zhang will be with us on Golf Today. Stay with us. This week marks the LPGA Tour season opener down in Orlando, the Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament of Champions. begins Thursday on Golf Channel featuring winners from the last two years and a Celebrity Championship being played at Lake Nona. One of the headliners in the field, Rose Zhang. One of the most notable moments of the 2023 season, the Sanford standout won her first LPGA Tour tour title in her first professional start at the Mizuho Americas Open at Liberty National. She accepted immediate LPGA Tour membership, and she got the win in front of her fellow Stanford alum and tournament host Michelle Wee, and we're pleased to be joined now by Rose Zhang from Lake Nona. And Rose, based on what you're wearing, I'm guessing the weather doesn't look particularly Floridian to you right now.
11: Uh, It's definitely not. This morning was in its 30s. Um, It's been pretty cold with some pretty icy winds to go with it. So um, it's definitely unprecedented, uh, especially coming to Florida and expecting a little bit warmer weather. Mm
1: It's good practice for a future British Open down the road somewhere, I guess. I want to go back to that first win last summer. Your first professional start, did that give you a perhaps unrealistic expectation of how easily and how quickly success could come on the LPGA Tour?
11: I think it was almost, it came as a shock. Uh, to me Uh, of course every single event that you play in you're a competitor and you wish to play the best you can you wish to be on top of the leaderboard but for it to come out so quickly and uh, for that first win in the first event that I ever played in uh, it came by so quick and uh, afterwards it Honestly, it took a lot more to adjust uh, to the tour life, to all the media and the attention. So um, even now, it's still kind of slowly getting back into how to manage that and all aspects in my life.
0: Well, that's the thing. You're only 20 years of age, you know, fresh out of college. You have a victory. You've done a cover shoot with Golf Digest magazine last fall. So how do you keep things simple?
11: Um, It's honestly just staying grounded to my values and my core beliefs in myself and the people around me Um, I feel like just with everything happening the whirlwind is it's very easy to kind of get distracted and um, kind of stay aloof to everything that's happening, but I think just being grounded in all the process and all the grind that I have been kind of ingraining in me since I was little, um, it's just important to maintain that. And uh, along with the people around me, I think they're really the people that allow me to keep myself more humble and more relaxed, especially when I'm living my simple life.
1: Rose, the, you this is really your rookie year on tour because you only got six months out there last year, as successful as you were. In that six month period, what was your biggest lesson that you took that's really going to make things a little bit easier for you heading out for a full season in 2024?
11: Right. Um, I think that the biggest thing that I learned in the last six months, especially being out here on tour, is that, you know, when you're out here and playing professional golf, it's not just golf. It's actually just everything in between. Uh, from managing your body to managing your schedule, managing your team, and your overall brand. Um, There's a lot more things that go into it, and even though it's, you know, easier said than done to do all these things and perfect every single, you know, time you go out there and try to put up a good appearance, um, it's still important to try to stay patient, stay really, really just steady with yourself Um, I've been really just cramming everything into my schedule, and hopefully this year I kind of learned to settle in a little bit and not put so much on my plate so I can focus on what's important and what's at task.
0: Rose, what's the challenge of trying to get better as we all try to get better in our walk of life uh, that we've chosen versus staying true to yourself? How do you kind of find that balance?
11: Right. Um, Well, I think it starts with your schedule. Um, Of course, everyone knows it takes a lot of dedication, but it also takes a lot of discipline to kind of eliminate a lot of distractions around you. Um, Saying no is one of the most valuable things that I've really learned. And even though there are a lot of opportunities that are coming, you still want to make sure that you're able to go out there and be able to say yes to the things that you want to do and do well in them. Um, But on top of that, I think my faith has really allowed me to kind of stay more humble and grounded in values, uh, which, you know, when you're out there on the golf course, uh, it's very easy to identify yourself with your golf score. Uh, So being able to separate yourself a little bit away from that, it's very important.
1: Are you a goal setter, Rose? Because I'm, I'm curious what your expectations are for 2024, because you hear so much about what others expect of you, particularly after the hot start to your career. So what have you set as your own goals for 2024?
11: Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good question. I feel like personally, I've never been one to set goals for uh, where I want to finish, what ranking I want to have by the end of the year, um, because it almost puts kind of a ceiling on, you know, my potential um, to learn and grow. Uh, but I think I think for this year, the most important thing is um, just to be able to dedicate myself to my passion, which is golf school and in life Um, and in order to do so kind of set mini goals um, kind of mini process checks um, to be able to do those things
0: rose this week you're surrounded by celebrities athletes from other sports stars of stage and screen who are you most looking forward to meeting or who have you already met that kind (laughs) of gave you goosebumps
11: Oh my gosh, there's so many people, I can't even, I can't even fathom because these people, I mean, there's um, there's so many baseball players out there, um, Whit Muirfield, he, I played with him at Pebble, and I got to see him again in this event, Um, and I'm playing with another all-time baseball player tomorrow, which is just going to be so fun. I'm really going to learn so much, and um, to see how successful these people are, and to be out here kind of trying to grow the game, trying to have fun, um, I'm going to take this week into kind of my learning lessons um, kind of event where, you know, just having fun and really engaging conversation. uh, That's the biggest thing, but the people out here are incredible.
0: Well, keep enjoying the early days of your professional career. Best of luck this week in Orlando.
1: Welcome back into Golf Today. Eamon Lynch alongside Damon Hack. And Damon, we've hit pretty much every tour in the game so far today. We're about to move on to the Champions Tour season opener at Hawaii, where I hope those guys aren't hitting out of my divots on the range because there have been a lot of them there. The years. <laughs> you know that you spent some time. One of my favorite words
0: in the game of golf. lie that's exactly right. PJ Tour Champions opener once again takes place at The Tour currently scheduled to have 28 events including 25 regular season tournaments and three Charles Schwab Cup playoff events and concludes with the Charles Schwab Cup championship. That takes place in November. Now, last year, it was Steve Stricker who took home the title, earning his 12th PGA Tour Champions win. And at the time, the victory was Stricker's fifth in his last 11
1: starts on PGA Tour Champions. And what a season he put together, Damon. He either won or finished runner-up in 11 of the 16 events he played. He won three majors, tradition, the Senior PGA Championship, and the College Companies Championship. He set a single-season scoring record, 67.54, and he's just been named the 2023 Champions Tour Player of the Year. We caught up with Steve Stricker a little earlier. And we're joined now by Steve Stricker, who is definitely not in his native Wisconsin right now, out at Hawala Live for the Champions Tour season opener. Steve, you've won a lot of awards in your career. You've Comeback Player of the Year a couple of times, the Payne Stewart Award. This is the first Player of the Year award that you've received. What does it mean at this stage of your career?
12: Oh yeah, it, thanks for having me. First of all, it means a lot. Um, you know, I guess what it shows is that the whole body of work that I did this last year uh, was good. It meant something. Um, I know it was personally. Um, it, it, there was so many good things and so many highlights. Um, having family on the bag, Izzy caddy for me one tournament we won and. Nicky was on the bag Mario um, we've had a we've had a gas being out here on the champions tour and and to put together a year like I had last year was really pretty special and and to get the award is very special as, as well
0: Steve what did you expect out of your PGA Tour champions career because north of age 50 you know sometimes the body can start breaking down
12: <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's constantly being to let me put it that way you know I mean we're all battling a little something um, you know and you just kind of try to take care of yourself luckily I have uh, Nikki who who uh, points us our family all in the right direction as far as what to eat Um, we work out a lot Um, you know I try to train with a trainer as much as I can when I'm home and uh, you know a lot of stretching just but uh, as we get older um, yeah things start to break down and and just um, Trying to maintain that is the goal, and, and it's a challenge.
1: Well, if it's any consolation, Steve, you're holding up a lot better than either of us two are right now. I'm curious: when you start 2024 <laughs> this week, do you start with a clean slate, or are your expectations for 2024 informed by what you accomplished in 23?
12: You know, a little bit of <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit of both, I think. <clears throat> um I'm just gonna try to go out there and do what I've been trying to do the last uh six seven eight ten years you know I really haven't changed my swing at all uh since way back in two thousand and six, so each and every year I come into i I continue to try to do the same exact things uh obviously, I pull a lot of confidence from last year and playing well, so just try to maintain that um you know but it's just uh you know we're starting the year and over here in Hawaii and what a beautiful spot and uh, but I'm ready to play. I'm excited to play and and I want to get off to a good start.
0: We only trail Bernard Langer by 29 career wins on PGA Tour <laughs> champions for the all time mark. You're in great shape. You're a decade younger than Bernhard Langer. Do you allow yourself to dream and put that goal somewhere out there in the ether.
12: Um. You know, why not, right? You know, try to win as much as you can while you're out here and while you still have the abilities to play. And you never know, as I found out a couple years ago, you never know when you uh, might not be able to play again. So you take advantage of the times you're able to play. You enjoy the times uh, like this where we're at this week and and hopefully play some good golf. But, um, yeah, I think at this level and our ages, uh, we just try to uh, enjoy what we have and, and try to make the most of it.
1: You've won seven majors on the senior tour, Steve. You've, the only leg missing of the career slam is the Senior British Open, which you've never played. Is there any chance we're going to see you at Carnoustie this summer?
12: Yeah, there might be a chance that I go over there. It, it's always uh, it's always fun to go over there. I haven't, you know, gone over there yet on the on the senior tour on the Champions Tour, but uh, Carnoustie being a, a special place, uh, I had an opportunity to win a regular. Open Championship there years ago, um, so yeah, I may uh, I may think about that time and or you know going over there this time and uh, but it all comes down to I guess what my kids are playing in and what we got going at home and um, maybe they'll want to take the trip as well. But uh, yeah, it's definitely on my radar.
0: Steve, you're still very connected to the PGA Tour as well. Mm-hmm. In this era where a Webb Simpson says that the model between the tour and sponsors uh, is broken seeing farmers not renewing wells Fargo not renewing you know the importance of relationships with sponsors how concerned are you when you look at the state of the PGA tour
12: yeah I'm very concerned um, you know the I, I what I keep you know what I keep talking about uh, is you know how long are the sponsors going to be willing to put up that kind of money uh, to play for and uh, that's a concern. Uh, limited fields. I didn't like the direction where they're going with limited fields. Um, I think that puts a pressure on some of the other tournaments. Uh, only certain events are going to be elevated, um, which then you know other sponsors are you know kind of looked at in a in a smaller type way. I feel like you know like the John Deere. I mean, um, you know, you know it's a tournament that I that I uh, had a lot of fun and playing in and, you know, would a tournament like the John Deere get an elevated event and would they want it? You know, so those are some of the questions and I know those are concerns of a lot of players. So, um, yeah, I guess we're just sitting back waiting to see um, how it affects, you know, us out here is another thing. You know, how is it going to affect us out here? There's a lot of questions that I don't know uh, the answers to. So we're just kind of sitting back waiting. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of concerns on my part as well. Steve
1: one of your career highlights had to be winning the Ryder Cup of the United States in your mm-hmm. native Wisconsin. You've been involved in a lot of teams over the years both as a player and as a backroom team member as well. I noticed a couple of days ago Phil Mickelson said he was not the right man to be involved in 2025 at Bethpage. Do you agree
12: with him? You know probably uh, right now might not be the right fit. Um, you know, whether to say that changes in a couple of years, I hope, I hope uh, these relationships get mended between the tour and the other players uh, that went to go to live. Um, you know, I hope we all can come together. Uh, as a fan of golf, right, uh, I, I want to see the best players playing against each other week in and week out. Um, and I think there's room, there's room to uh, have a team event of some sort. Um, you know, personally, I think we play too many events on the regular tour. I think that could be scaled back, where maybe we can get some team events in there. Uh, but I think I think Phil's right. Right now, I don't know if um, you know. In two years' time, if he'd be the right fit, uh, maybe come that time he would be. But uh, right now, I think there's still a lot of things that need to be cleaned up and and uh, worked on.
0: Well, there's a quiet push for Tiger Woods to have a prominent role on that team, whether it's as a captain. Or as a, a player are you surprised knowing Tiger as long as you have that he has been taken on such an outside role in PGA Tour governance for a player who for a time and for a long time was all about only hoisting championship trophies.
12: Yeah that shows the importance of what the tour means to him and and what kind of legacy he wants to leave the tour with and, and his legacy himself. So I think he's trying to do the right things. Um, he's got a lot on his plate right now. Hopefully, we get to uh, uh, he gets back out there to play. We all love to see him play, and I was fortunate to play with him at the PNC and got to spend some time with him, which has been a few years uh, since I've been able to do that with him. So that was great fun. But I know he's got a lot on his plate. He's trying to get this tour and be a part of uh, getting the tour going, uh, you know, in the right direction to uh, to you know just to move forward with everybody I think is the goal and and um, yeah so it's uh, he's got a lot going but we first and foremost we love to see him play
0: Steve I've interviewed a lot of players and covered you for a long time as well I don't think I've met a player who hates leaving home and being away from his family more than you do could you have accomplished (laughs) what you have in this game if not for Nikki on the bag or having your daughter out there or your (laughs) brother-in-law. from time to time and being surrounded by family as you win all these trophies.
12: Yeah I think uh, that's the only reason why I continue to play because I got the blessings and the uh, the uh, the ability to play Uh, you know and my kids and my wife uh, you know push me to play still they're very deeply involved in the game they work hard at it themselves Uh, so it's definitely a family thing but if if they weren't playing, uh, if I didn't have Nikki on the bag, uh, you know, Izzy's still in high school, so we're trying to manage that situation. But yeah, if I didn't have all that uh, support from them, there's probably no chance that I'd be out here as much as I am.
0: Well, Steve, congratulations on Player of the Year. It's very windy as we can see, so that low ball better be working this week. We'll it catch is. up with you soon. <laughs> I appreciate it,
12: guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Back on Golf Today, the LPGA season opener kicks off this week. The 2024 Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament of Champions. And and look at the notables in this field. You want to talk about cream of the crop. you got some major champs. You've got the young star in Rose I mean, Eamon, this is as
1: good as it gets. We actually have all five major title holders from the 2023 season. Lily View, of course, won two of them reigning word number one
0: i believe she went to ucla uh, if i recall back in 2022 the first year this event was held at lake nona danielle Kang fired a final round four under 68 to win by three over brooke henderson fueled by a stretch of three straight birdies from 13 to 15 she grabbed her sixth win on tour and i believe Danielle joins us right now from lake nona on the golf course 16th hole Par four, a little walk and talk with a major champ. And here's how you can watch, Danielle. Coverage this week, you got Peacock in the mix. Love having the streaming option. Starts Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern time and all the way into Sunday. you got NBC getting into the mix, 2 p.m. on Saturday round. Three and, of course, final round on Sunday on Golf Channel and on Peacock. And we're just about to join Danielle Kang. It's been a couple of years since she's got that sixth win on the LPGA Tour.
1: And her first win was the the KPMG Women's PGA Championship, which I suppose does set a high expectation on you. But Danielle Kang has proven herself one of the most capable and engaging players on the LPGA Tour for quite a while. She's been a a stalwart on the Solheim Cup team. Yes. For almost her entire career out there at this stage. And one would assume that's one of her goals again, since we do have back-to-back years of Solheim Cups. We have another one, Stacey Lewis, as the captain later this year. And um, I- I'm curious what the weight of expectation has been on, on Danielle because she hasn't played to the standards that she expects mm. of herself, but one wouldn't expect that to last very long. And now we have the major championship
0: winner in Danielle King on the golf course at Lake Nota. It's great to see you. We've done this with you before in San Francisco and now we're doing it today. Uh, what are you working on as you kick the tires for twenty twenty four?
13: Hi, everybody. Um, yeah, I have not played up to my standards, I know. But just give me a little bit of time. Um, right now, I mean, Lake Nona is playing a little bit different than what I'm used to. I didn't know that the golf course was this hard. It's a bit cold today. And I think I'm just trying to kind of get gauged on how far I'm hitting the ball and how I'm spinning around these greens. And that's kind of what I'm focused on.
1: I'm curious on a day like this, Danielle, we had Rose Zhang on earlier, who looked as though she was freezing. On a day like this where it's so cold, does it? do you adjust your practice session? Do you try to focus on one area and narrow things down a little?
13: Well, today we're playing a pro-am. So um, hold on, he's hitting. We're, we're playing a pro-am, um, so it's not really adjusting <laughs> to schedule because of the weather. It's more of what time we're teeing off. So I would move my physio to the morning, um, to my exercise in the morning versus would do it in the afternoon if I tee off at 7:30. Um, I've played with my group previously a couple of years ago, so excited to be with them. Um, so not, I don't really change my practice depending on weather. It's like days like Wednesdays. It's more about the pro am. Gotta, we gotta work around them.
0: Speaking of your physio, you've had to battle some health issues the last couple of seasons. What is the state of your health going into 2024? I know you've worked very hard.
13: I've worked pretty hard to get back, I've, um, this is Fred, say hi Fred, (laughs) sorry one second, so yeah I've worked pretty hard to get back but I think there's always struggle with everyone whether you're an athlete or you know even a stay at home, anybody, um, whatever struggle you're going through you just gotta keep taking one step at a time and battle that through and see what you're good at and kind of adjust from there and that's kind of what I've been doing. 187. can I hit this shot is that okay guys
1: by uh, all means we might wanna... learn something from watching you
13: okay. do you guys mind if I hit it because uh, please do theres the group on the team
1: take us through your thought process Daniel
13: So is a little rights okay right now I have 187 yards I'm gonna aim at that 16 I have a four iron I'm gonna try and punch draw it in there We have a little bit of mud ball it's drawing a little more than i wanted to stay stay it's not bad not bad with my chipping it's an up and down
0: that's one of the, <laughs> so that's one of the larger greens at, at lake nona I, I four putted that green <laughs> back in the day what was your aiming point
13: i don't believe it's that large it's because if you don't carry that first three to five yards it rolls all the way back if you carry it too far on the right, it rolls all the way down. So, if you roll it a little left, it rolls off the left. So, I think it's one of the smallest greens. i just trying to hit it about 15 on and give myself a putt at all cost from that middle. To me, it's a small green, well, but I'm is, also I'm, having 100 yards, 90 am. yards into the pin. So.
1: <laughs> Danielle, you mentioned that you didn't know Lake Nona. Yeah,
13: I mean, I don't, I don't think it's that big of a green. <laughs>
1: Danielle you mentioned that you didn't know Lake Nona was such a difficult golf course since you've won there Do you remember specifically what was working so well for you two years ago that you'd like to see working again this week?
13: Two years ago The golf course was playing very different. It was rolling out a lot. There was a lot of opportunities on par fives um, working really well was my wedge game. I was able to make a lot of birdies with my chipping. I was able to do bump and runs close, but I think this year is going to be a bit difficult for me. Um, just speaking honestly about things that I have to be really focused on is to give myself the best opportunities, and I don't think I can capitalize on par fives as much as I can. So I'm going to try and attack the par threes and try and gain some shots on par threes. Holes like number 16 and number 18, I'm going to be having four irons to five woods in, so In that case, I'm going to hope that my chipping just holds up for me and give myself a lot of par opportunities. And when I can capitalize with those wedges, I'm going to have to just make birdies as much as I can on those. And I think that's why I've seen that Lake Nona is much harder than what I remember. Um, Last year I was just kind of all over the place, I don't remember it as much, but it's just, it's so soft, driver's not going as far. We can't really utilize that front of the green rolling up to the greens because it's soft. It's receptive. And so we have, oh. Four.
0: Definitely a pro. It's
13: okay. You hit the cameraman. Are you okay?
0: Uh, No harm, no foul.
13: Um, We're good. We're good. This guy's hitting. So let's just give it a heads up. I didn't even know he was still over there. Coming right at us. We're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. Welcome to Pro I mean, there's nothing you just like have to a be Pro very
0: And there's nothing like the Solheim it's Cup. It's okay. Their
13: ball speed's not that high. It's not going to hurt ya. <laughs> <laughs> Danielle, you.
0: Daniel, you Sorry. get to run back the Solheim Cup this year in Virginia. What was the feeling walking away from Spain? It was a tie, you know, obviously the Cup went back to Europe, but what was the feeling walking away and what are you looking forward to this year?
13: Interestingly enough, that was my favorite Solheim Cup. Um, I loved the team, I loved the vibe. I was excited to play every single day. I played the best I played the entire year. I showed up that one tournament, so me and um, Captain Stacy Lewis still talks about it, that I at least showed up for the Solheim Cup, which was nice, um, while I was asleep the entire rest of the year. But it was just, it was a lot of fun. I think the way the team was handled, the way it was led by Stacy Lewis was incredible. We had a lot of young players on the team, but they are all so good at golf that it was really, really cool to see the maturity and then the level of game that they brought onto the table. And the Finca Court team golf course was not easy, and I don't know why everyone was shooting so low. Having Suzanne Patterson as an opponent captain was really fun, too. There was a really fun rivalry going on. Um, So I'm really excited for this year because I think it'll be cool to just kind of take the cup back on our own soil. So I think it was okay to walk away on 14 14 they get to keep the cup you couldn't have fabricated a better ending to Carlota Sagan winning the final putt in Spain I think that this some great things for women's golf um can't ride it any better so <laughs> I um hopefully we have some really cool moments happening in America this year when we earn our cup back
1: I'm sure making that team is one of your goals this year Danielle are you a goal setter specifically do you have targets that you've set yourself for 2024 given that you were disappointed by how you played for most of last year?
13: I am a very short-term goal setter, mid-term and long-term. Um, I From last year, I'm actually very proud of myself for finishing the year. I was not at state to compete at, at a full schedule and I did and I think my goal for this year is to be as fresh as possible for every event. And in order to do that, I just have to schedule and pan out my stops and where I start. I can't be that 25 year old Danielle where I just play everything because I can anymore. So we're just gonna be smart about when I play, how I play, um, how I feel and all that. So I just feel really good coming to this week, playing this week, going right back to TPI, back to Carlsbad. I think I got a great team around me. Um, So that's kind of my goal for the year. As a golf result team, I think making the team a Solheim Cup obviously is one of my goals, but you know, I think, not I think, sorry, i said that a lot, but I believe that if you focus on what you need to focus on daily, today's goal is to have fun with my Pro-Am group. I know that I got, I know all these guys, which is great. Um, So I think this week's goal is to stay warm on Saturday, uh, make sure I have all the snacks, um, just do my routine and then see what I can execute.
0: Well, Danielle, this is the second time we've done this with you. It's always an education. We'll let you get back to the pro-am. Best of
1: luck this week.
13: Thanks, guys.
1: Staying warm and having snacks. The That's our goal ball. for Saturday as well. <laughs> this is a, what some players take on for us. Take on the risks. Almost getting winged. And that was one of the greatest burns that I've ever heard. She said his swing speed isn't <laughs> that high. It wouldn't hurt. Anyway. Well, a pretty neat record is being set this week on the PGA Tour by one of the sport's most famous names. Billy Harman is caddying for Bill Haas at the American Express often caddied for his father. The seventh decade, Billy has caddied in a tour event. And after the break, we're going to take a stroll down Amnesia Lane and hear some of his best stories.
0: Back on Golf Today, last week at the Sony Open in Hawaii, it was Grayson Murray who made this... Incredible birdie putt in the first playoff holder earned his second PGA Tour win, his first since the 2017 Barbersaw Championship, a win that had a deeper meaning. You see what he gets with the Sony Open win now, fully exempt on tour through 2026, gains entry into the Masters PGA and the players assured placement in all remaining signature events in 2024. And Grayson joins us now from the Coachella Valley. Congratulations. Grayson I can't imagine what the last few days have been like what have they been like with the text messages and phone calls coming your way.
3: It's been a lot uh, Damon thanks for having me on the show I uh, really appreciate it and uh, no it's been it's been all good you know I've gotten uh, I don't countless text and countless Instagram messages and uh, a lot of players reaching out to me and. Um, you know the support's been overwhelming, and it's been so. Uh, it's been just really nice to hear from everyone, and knowing that everyone is, um, you know, really just taken, uh, taken I guess um, the fact that I uh, that I've kind of changed my life a little bit, and um, it's nice knowing that people uh, see it and, and, and care care for me, and um, the support's been overwhelming. Like I said.
1: Break. now a lot of that support obviously comes from how you've been so open about your personal issues in dealing with alcoholism. Do you feel as though that the game was always there and that the game would still be there if you got a grip on everything else in your life? Or was there ever a point where you thought the game had kind of left you as well? I think um,
3: I think looking back, I, I always knew that I had the game because people would always tell me, but I never... Uh, quite believed it in my heart um, like some people thought you know told me and until I you know started believing it myself um, and obviously changing my lifestyle has helped um, kind of shown um, you know has has brought my game back out and um, I've I've always said you know talent doesn't leave you it can hide for a while um, if you're not if you're not letting it uh uh, doing the right things to let it show, but um, it's out of hibernation now, and um, I can't wait for um, what's to come.
0: Grayson, you've cited past mistakes or immaturity. What has the process been like to ask forgiveness from others and forgiveness of yourself?
3: It's been, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that, um, you know, obviously I've been very vocal about my faith and. Um, you know, trust in, trust in the Lord and what He has to say, and um, you know, obviously He forgives me, and I have to forgive myself, and um, you know, it's on others to uh, forgive me. I can't um, I can't tell everyone to forgive me. It's it's what it's what they choose to do. But I hope that um, you know, going forward, I can just prove and show um, with my actions. Um, what I who I am now and um, I think that uh, always goes a a bigger a bigger way than um, just being you know talking the talk instead of walking it.
1: Grayson it's not unfair to say that you've been kind of polarizing with fans over the years. Do you think the steps that you've taken in life and the success you're having on the golf course will change the perception that some fans may have of you or do you actually care if the fan perception changes? I, I mean,
3: I think the fans percep- perception will change. I think everyone loves a good comeback story. I think people can resonate with some of the things I've said, um, in the media. And, and, um, you know, they, they view me as more of a, uh, person instead of a golfer. And, um, you know, I, I'm not going to change, um, I, I i'm not going to change being a good human being um, I, I i think my life has changed on the golf course a little bit my careers changed but um, i i hope i just keep inspiring people and you know i hope people can um, can just can just give me grace for for my past and um, you know if they don't they, then that's on them and um, i can't i can't help that
0: Grayson, i first met you when you were 17 years old you're 30 now i was in Arizona doing a piece on Jordan speech you guys played a practice round together uh, I enjoyed our walk together was that a lot of pressure on you coming from that era of Ollie Schneiderjans and Jordan and Justin Thomas and seeing the success that some of those guys had while well, it took you a little bit longer
3: it did, Damon. I think um, I think I, I put a lot of pressure on myself that I had to live up to, you know, those expectations when I was 16 and 17, having all that success. And, uh, you know, seeing Jordan and, and Justin Thomas and all these guys come out and had that immediate success, um, you would think it would have given me a little bit of, you know, a more drive to try to, you know, had that immediate success as well but I think I I fell into the uh why me why me category why am I the one that's not having this success and had a little pity party for myself for a very long time and um I say that I say this uh in in best regards that everyone has their success in different ways in different times and um I'm 30 years old and there's no reason I can't uh start having the success they've had already um, at 30. Um, I feel young. I'm in good shape. And, um, you know, I think uh, I hope this is just starting my prime.
1: Grayson, you were reportedly pretty vocal at a player meeting last year in the wake of the framework agreement. I'm curious where you are now on the direction the tour is headed. You obviously don't have to worry about access to signature events now as a winner on the tour are you happy with where it's going or are you unhappy regardless of what your own personal status is in terms of the tour
3: well you know i think um i think uh obviously you know in that meeting um it was it was pretty uh it was pretty intense and um i was obviously in a little different situation but um, my stance doesn't change on that I think um, I think we all just have to come to agreement as players in, in the tour and I hope we can reach out reach some agreement with the live tour and the PJ tour I don't like all this division I, I want to be uh, I want to be on on board I want to be on board with you know I want to be a unity I want I want everything to work out and um, I think the fans want that as well and Um, I don't blame anyone for leaving to go there and I don't blame anyone for staying as well and um, you know my I'm still gonna um, I'm not gonna be vocal about it all it's out of my control Um, I think back then I was just a little more on edge about things in my life and um, and that's why I was kind of more vocal in that meeting toward Jay and Jay and I've talked um, a bunch since then and uh, he called me yesterday and Um, You know, I know he's doing the best he can in this situation, and it's a very tough times. Um, I would not want that position right now, and I don't think a lot of people would. And um, he's taken a lot of heat, um, and he knows he's deserved some of it. But also, um, at the end of the day, I think we're all um, going to see the positives of what he's doing behind the scenes and what they're doing behind the scenes with the PIF. And um, I hope it all works out. I really do.
0: Well, Grayson, you said people love a good comeback story. You've given us one of the best we've seen in quite some time. Congratulations on the win at the Sony and the greater wins in your life. Best of luck this week.
3: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
0: And there it was Sunday at the Sony. Grayson Murray, a winner again on the PGA Tour.
1: Bill Harman joins us now. Bill, it's great to spend some time with you. As we just noted, you're now in your seventh decade of caddying <laughs> in a PGA Tour event. I want to take a little stroll down Amnesia Lane here. Way back when, who was the first bag that you ever carried on the PGA Tour?
14: Well, the, the seven decades, I got a little bit lucky because I caddied for my brother Butch in the Canadian Open in 1969. Uh, I believe he was a rookie on the tour and uh, I was, 18 years old I guess so uh, that was my first bag and uh, now I have Bill Haas this week at the Amex tournament in the desert where I live so I can't believe that I've lasted this long. On the caddy stuff Bill every caddy has
1: one what is the dumbest mistake you ever made on the job (laughs) along the way?
14: Well in the 1986 masters you know the, the famous victory for Jack Uh, Actually, Jay played with Jack on Saturday, but I think we were about three groups ahead of him Sunday and Jay was playing good. And so we were well uh, out in front of the leaders, but Jay was uh, only three shots back going to 15. And, you know, if you could make an eagle who knows what could happen. Uh, It was back in the days of wooden clubs and on the tuesday practice round he asked me how far the sprinkler was it was 234 to the front and he said uh, let's make a decision now if we're not in front of the sprinkler we're going to lay up i can't afford to make dumb mistakes i don't have the length to reach these par fives so uh he came to the he hadn't missed a shot for 14 holes and he hit a nice drive on 15 and my mindset was for him to have a chance to make eagle and we got up there and he was seven yards behind the sprinkler so it was 241 to the front so given our discussion on Tuesday we're gonna to have to lay up so I don't know what got into me but I decided to lie about the yardage on Sunday the Masters uh, over a lake <laughs> and I'm giving them the wrong yardage. So as soon as I gave it to him, I started questioning myself, are you crazy? This might be the dumbest thing you've ever done. Uh, I want you to call a timeout, say you added or subtracted the yardage wrong. As I was doing that a a handheld CBS camera was running behind us. So now they're going to show this shot live on national TV to the world too. And by this time, I'm really choking Jay has the three wood out. Um, And at this point, I've gone blotto really blank because I can't believe that I've done this on Sunday at Augusta and he hit the most beautiful shot you ever saw right at the flag and I was screaming get up go as soon as he started his downswing and he said no that's there, but I wanted to say yeah well, (laughs) you might think it's there, but I gave you the wrong yardage by seven yards and luckily for me he did get on the green hit a beautiful shot right behind the hole he two putted and i think he ended up finishing fifth maybe he shot 66 or seven in the last round so we were in the parking lot afterwards he was very happy he had a nice tournament uh, Played with jack on saturday so good memories he said i'll see you at hilton head at tuesday at seven o'clock so i was there at seven and uh we went out just the two of us off the first tee and uh being a recovering catholic i had a lot of guilt and uh we're walking down the first fairway and i said i have a confession to make jay and he said what he gave me the wrong yardage on 15 on sunday <laughs> <laughs> so he knew it actually and as it turned out he said he wanted me to talk him into going for it and i said well that certainly makes me sound like a great caddy but what would have happened if you hit it off the heel in the middle of the lake and he said i would not have asked you to be at hilton head at uh, <laughs> seven o'clock on tuesday so
1: it can't be easy having grown up a harman in this game bill there's a lot of scrutiny a lot of pressure comes with that what was it like for you.
14: Well I look at it now at age 73. To be the most fortunate thing that you can imagine I think the four Harmon brothers were the four luckiest guys in the history of the game. Obviously to have our father who was not only a great player he was a great teacher and a great mentor maybe the most powerful club professional in the history of golf. And we were exposed to so many things. And I think early on, we might've felt some pressure, but I always said that, uh, should I wish that my dad lost the masters so I wouldn't have to feel pressure. But, you know, as time went on, uh, he he told all of us that rank uh, didn't have privilege, it had responsibility. And so when people ask me about being a Harmon, my first reply has been really cool, but it goes much deeper than that. I think, the four of us really were very ordinary people that got to live an extraordinary life because of the game of golf so i owe everything to the game of golf i owe everything to growing up at Wingfoot was a golf club i think that's where i learned the importance of golf and so i'm so grateful and humbled to be a Harmon because i mean i didn't have anything to do with it you know i was just born into the family Uh, but i'll share a little story with you last year we played at augusta and after dinner we went up to uh the champions locker room and there was dad's locker and the three of us sat down on this bench and it seemed like almost simultaneously the three of us got very reflective and a little bit emotional and and i realized that what a neat thing this is you know butch is 80 craig 77 i'm 73 and we get to sit in front of our dad's locker at augusta and at the time scotty scheffler was the defending champion and i, I saw his locker and i said Can he even imagine, because he didn't even have kids now, that one day he's going to have a son or a daughter that's 80 years old, and they're going to be sitting in front of his locker at Augusta, thinking what a great life this has been. So I'm big on reflecting back and being grateful for what I have in life, and uh, it all started by being uh, Claude and Alice Harmon's son.
0: Bill, you've gone from a time in your life where you said you had self-loathing, didn't like who you saw in the mirror, to being sober for more than 30 years. The last couple mm-hmm. weeks on the PGA Tour, Chris Kirk, who bottled alcoholism, has won. Grayson Murray's been sober for eight months, and he Back. won. What's it been like for you to watch those two players go through what they did to hoist PGA Tour trophies?
14: Well, it's been the greatest gift of my life. Um uh you know, looking back on it, um, I wasn't sober when I caddied for Jay. And I remember when I did get sober, you know, you have to make amends. And I wrote him a long letter. And I, and I told him that, uh, you know, you didn't get my best shot and you deserve my best shot. But in that process, you start cleaning up the wreckage of your past and you... Um, you know you have to recover emotionally and spiritually it's not just putting down a drink you have to change the person so um you know I, I look at myself differently i'll share something with you that when i was a pro at newport country club in rhode island as our first son was born and i was still drinking and drugging and i had uh, that's when my bottom hit me uh, self-loathing that was i knew i couldn't stand that balance beam to be honest with you and i wish i would have thought it when I got married, because my wife who's still my wife today was wonderful. And I don't know why I took my son to do it. But one night he got up and he was uh, crying because he wanted to get fed. He was two months old and uh, she got up to help him. And I was irritated that he woke me up. And I realized right then what a worthless piece of you know what that I was, she came back and went to bed. We were living on the top of the clubhouse Newport Country Club. And I went out on this balcony that overlooks the 18th green. And I contemplated uh, doing something, you know, but I didn't have the guts to do it. And we'll fast forward now to the senior opens at Newport Country Club this year. And I'm gonna caddy for Jay Haas. And the 18th green is right underneath that balcony. So how's that for a coincidence? It might be Jay's last tournament. It'll probably be my last tournament for ever caddying. And how could the world align that He'll be, I'm gonna be finishing by the greatest friend I've ever had other than family members on the 18th green at Newport. And right above the green is the balcony that I committed, I I considered committing suicide off of. So if you need to know anything more about recovery and being sober and what can happen to you, uh, I think that story kind of tells it all.
0: Bill, it's been a life full circle and you have come through clean. On the other side, thanks so much for your time and all of your contributions hey guys. to
14: this great game. Oh, well, they've done a lot more for me than I've done for it. I can tell you that much.
0: Powerful story from a wonderful family, the four Harmon brothers, including Dick, who passed away in 2006. Thanks for joining us on Golf Today.